Good afternoon and welcome to another exciting, exciting adventure in Hollywood land, classic Hollywood land. How Betty Davis saved my life. Life lessons in classic from classic Hollywood. I am Moya. And I'm Georgia. And guys, today we have a sweet, sweet treat. Literally sweet because it's in the title of the movie. Sweet Charity starring Shirley MacLaine, a 60s. It, it, just, it just reeks out 60s, doesn't it, Georgia? Sweet Charity. Oh, does it ever. Oh, my gosh. The 60s threw up and Sweet Charity came out because it, it, had, it, it had every element of the 60s. And I, and I know our audience, I know you will thoroughly enjoy this one because it's such a popular movie of, uh, originated on Broadway. We're going to get into that. Um, but don't. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow How Betty Davis Saved My Life. We are on, uh, we have some YouTube videos, guys. Have a lot of fun with that. Check out our new segment called uh, Late to the Party, where we talk about recent movies that are new to us that we, uh, we I know if you've seen them, but they're new to us and we want to talk about them. And we also are on all the podcasting platforms. So please check us out. And we're also on Facebook at How Betty Davis Saved My Life. So Georgia, as always, start us off. Tell us a little bit about Sweet Charity and Miss Shirley McLean and all her high-kicking red hair glory. Well, this is about a young woman who works at a, a dance hall. And she is a dancer for hire. They used to call them tax Mm -hmm. and she has this hope in her heart she and her girlfriends that one day they'll meet a wonderful man and get married and then they'll be taken away <laughs> and Kale gone. her adventures in dating is basically what this is about <laughs> and uh wow georgia's trying to keep it clean but go ahead georgia yeah. <laughs> The, the original uh, movie that this is based off is a Fellini, um, Nights in Cabrera. I hope I'm saying that right. And that was like, I think in the late 50s or something like that. And I believe the, the woman, uh, the star of the movie was Fellini's wife, I think. And guys could correct me in the comments uh, if I'm not correct. I actually saw that movie, Georgia. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Yeah, it's a black and white, and you know it's a European, it's a foreign film subtitles. Uh, and you know in Europe they they are not as puritanical as we are here allegedly. We so puritanical. I I beg to differ uh, with that. But anyway, you know they they you know European they told life as it was. Of course, it's post World War Two and such. So you know they 
they were they was like, look, this is what's up. You know, we done been through hell and we ain't trying to hide nothing <laughs> at this point. And uh and they, they were streetwalkers and I love that movie. So if you have not seen Fellini's, Franco Fellini's Knights uh, of Cab Cabiria, Cabiria, I'm not, I'm not saying it right. Please look at it. I saw it years ago, Georgia, and I was, it left an impression on me because it was not cleaned up. It was not sanitized and it was raw. And the actress, I can't remember her name, a wonderful actress. Look, she looks so low cute. Like, she looks like a little Cupid doll. She's pudgy and blind and just, Life had beat her down, and she played that part so well. Sweet Charity is the totally sanitized version of that. Well, you know, this has such a fun cast to it. I was so impressed with, you know, uh, the people who debuted in this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, first of all, the person who wrote it from, uh, you know, from here was, believe it or not, um, Neil Simon. Right. And, um, and this was uh, the directing debut, uh, and it was also choreographed by Bob Fosse, which was amazing. And, you know, before this, there had been such great successes with musicals, you know, like Sound of Music. And so they were hoping that for another big hit in this one. And, um, but like I said, getting back to the cast, you know, you've got Ricardo Montalban, who plays the Italian lover, Vittorio Vitale. Right. And you've got um, Sammy Davis Jr. playing Big Daddy. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this was Ben Vereen's movie debut. You mm -hmm. see Ben Vereen dancing here. And um, I thought one of the things that really got me, it was, of course, I, I recognized, you know, the two of the bigger hits, Hey Big Spender, and If My Friends Could See Me Now. Right. Um, but, but the dancing, though, you know, it had these funky freeze frames that are so 60-ish that cracked me up. But right. also... Um, I, I felt it was a time capsule of the late 1960s. It was camp, and it had these, like, groovy baby 60s right. fashions designed by Edith Head. Mm -hmm. and, and some of them were outrageous and kooky, but, and some of them were just really, I mean, so avant-garde. I mean, when you looked at the hairstyles, the fashion, right. and everything. Um, so, I mean, the dance steps, were like sometimes they looked awkward sometimes they were graceful they were the, the body movements were just you look at it and go what <laughs> right know? right it's funny you know but Fosse is known for being so inventive right uh, uh it was his dance with his dancing and i always think of that like robin williams line in the i don't know if it's like how to fall or whatever the bird cage where everybody goes Fussy, fussy, fussy. <laughs> yeah, that was like, it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, had the best fashion sense in the world. Now you look at it and you go, it's they're so dated, but they're so fun to watch too. Oh yeah. Um so I what I noticed let me just put this. What I noticed about this and going back to so uh thank you mentioned yes, this was Fosse's Bob Bob Fosse's uh directorial debut. And um 
have to give a shout out to FX who did it again with the Fosse Verdon uh, picture, yeah. uh, miniseries, biopic. It was absolutely fan-freaking-tastic. Um, and it just really showed how Gwen Verdon was in the background. She choreographed, helped co-choreograph co a lot of those steps, especially if they could see me now. She did that. And well, Gwen Verdon was the original Sweet Charity. And you'll see yeah. on FX, if it's still on Hulu, because um, I think that's where I saw it, because I, I saw it after the fact. I didn't know it was on, and I caught... <laughs> I caught uh, the first few episodes and I, then I saw it on FX. I caught the last on actual FX when it was out. What is about about two years ago? And uh, the actors did an absolutely job. Sam Rockwell and Michelle Williams did an absolutely fabulous job doing False and Verdon. Um, but she originated Sweet Chat and she was heartbroken when she didn't get the movie role because, you know, she just didn't, you know, McLean was a star and who is Gwen Verdon, even though she was a Broadway queen, the queen of Broadway. Um, and, you know, that's how Hollywood is. They're looking for certain looks and they want people to put butts in the seats. But um, I agree with you. What I admire about Fosse and Verdon's dance style and choreography, because the scene where they were in the Pompeii Club, it was so absurd. I say it looks like it looked like a Salvador Dali painting. And I think yeah. it was done on purpose, the costumes, the outrageous hair. It was done on purpose to show that, because when, when Cheryl, Charity and Ricardo Montalban's, uh, the Italian film star, Vittori, when they went into the, it was like a secret society, you know, of all the, the, beauty, the beautiful people, the glitterazzi, and how these people are so full of themselves and they were dancing and doing all this weird, you, you know, and you, you guys, you've seen it. If you have not seen Sweet Charity, please look at it. It's, it has so influenced pop culture because with those dances and the hair, I actually wore that high ponytail, uh, like we call it like the genie ponytail from I Dream of Genie, but that high ponytail I wore it and all black Chinese dress. I could have been in a movie when my mom got married and I hadn't seen Sweet Charity back then um this was several over 20 years ago i hadn't seen it but that that scene in that club of the beautiful people who were all stuck up and stilted and doing these ridiculous dances which were just a sight to behold i've seen that scene and so many um i think beyonce used it in a video uh the rapper eve used it's been used over and over so it is in the zeitgeist it just shows you how influential fossey was uh michael jackson got a lot of his steps from Bob Fosse, you know, so the man, you know, was just a genius, you know, people throw that a word, but he, he was dance, you know, and there's so many other people, Jerome Robbins and a lot of other people around him. Um, but he was so unique because he could take the absurd cause those dances were absurd, weren't they? But they fit, they fit each absurd dance or wild dance fit the scene perfectly. And he, the, every hand movement, as you'll see in, Fosse Verdon on FX, it was all intentional. And him and Verdon, they, they were simpatico in that. And I really enjoyed that. Um, Paula Kelly, the black, the black friend, I can't remember her name, the beautiful Paula Kelly. Uh, she yeah. was a, a 70s, huge in the 70s, um, in the 80s and 90s. She was on Night Court, the first few seasons of Night Court on NBC, the, the great comedy Night Court. And Cheetah Rivera, honey, in all her glory, they were um, Charity's two best friends. And so 
I'm glad you brought that out to see these people, you know, of course, Sam and Davis Jr. He, another one he is, he is, let's call it, he was Mr. He was Michael Jackson before Michael Jackson. And he was kind of better than Michael Jackson. Sam and Davis Jr. was an actor as well. And he played instruments. So he really was better than Michael Jackson, but to see him doing his thing. Um, but yes, if you want to, you know, if you never could have made it to Broadway to see Broadway shows, or whatever, I think in my opinion, Sweet Charity was a, a a decent rendition. I know a lot of people disagree with that. The people who had seen the original with Gwen Verdon thought this was trash. It this was a flop financially. It what it cost like twenty million and only made eight million. It it, it was it was a huge box office failure. Right, and he was very uh, depressed over that. It just really shook him. But you know, he came back again. Three years later, in 1962, by making Cabaret, yes. which was a big So he came back again, but you're right. But one last thing about Gwen Verdon. I remember I had seen her in a movie, Moya. I don't know if you ever saw her, but did you ever see Damn Yankees? Is no. He, he's fabulous in Damn Yankees, mm -hmm. Gwen Verdon. So mm -hmm. I, I know firsthand. She was. She blew me away. I still remember her dance numbers to this day. That That's how absolutely amazing and outstanding they were right um, yeah, and but, she uh, could act too you know i have to give props to shirley mclean for something because to illustrate how much of a trooper she was with her dancing and of course you know they went with shirley mclean because she was bankable right and a good friend of the fossies and she really tried to help them uh, get this movie produced and promoted but uh to illustrate how much of a trooper she was she kept hidden a very painful infected tooth that needed a root canal, and she kept it a, a secret so as not to hold up production, but she was in so much pain, she couldn't even remember filming one of the exhausting Bob Fosse dance numbers. Wow, wow. I mean, that's, that's not much, and I wish I'd known which one it was beforehand, so I could have really watched how she, you know, covered that up, but so if you get a chance to watch it, be looking, but I doubt you'll see it because she was so... She she was determined and she was right. a trooper. For those for those of you who love old New York scenes like New York before it became what what it became in the nineties and on, you know, commercialized and you know, Manhattan and downtown, this is another treat because there's a lot of New York scenes. You get to see the people of New York. And I and um Georgia, have you ever been in New York? Oh yeah, twice. Okay, yeah, me too. And um, I, I enjoyed it, but I had, I had always seen the New York on TV, like the funky 70s New York. So when I got there, I didn't even know I was in Manhattan. I was like, where's Times Square? I asked the cop and he pointed to me like, it's right there, you dummy. And I was like, oh, and I, was, I, was, I felt so cheated because it wasn't, you know, on, on TV and film. It's like, man, it's like everything. But it just, oh, I just was underwhelmed. But the New York of... Sweet Charity and all those good seven, uh, you know, like, like, like I said, before the nineties, that was the real New York and New Yorkers will tell you that before it was cleaned up, you know, <laughs> when it was, uh, you know, when it was in its golden age and when it became a dump, you know, that was the real New York and the New York that I grew up seeing on television. So a lot of great New York scenes. Um, so let's talk about some of the scenes in the movie. So Georgia, when I, I I guess it's not a spoiler. I don't know when she literally got dumped by the first boyfriend, and, and instead of dump, maybe dunked, D U N K E D. Oh, I was in here screaming. 
it, if I, I was and I was like, I, it, I, I felt like I said, if he didn't, if he wouldn't have pushed her in that water, I would have, cause she was working on my nerves too. I was like, girl, please get it together. So that was hilarious to me. I think they were in Central Park. Yes, yes, they were. I know. I was like, that was what? I couldn't believe my eyes, and I thought, ah. (laughs) Yeah, she was so unlucky in love, and so Georgia, is there any other trivia or anything else you want to tell us before we start? Because I told Georgia for me, because I mentioned before, I am not a musical fan. I'm not a fan of musicals, but I knew I would like Sweet Charity because I knew the premise. And I knew it was, you know, kind of sad. So the only way I can watch a musical is if it's sad. So George, is there anything else you want to tell us about the musical side of it or whatever else before we get into the social side of it? Yeah, just one last thing. There is a musical number she does at the very end. And it's called I'm a Brass Band. And it's one of the longest numbers in film history. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes, when you see that number, it is long and it's pretty intricate and it's amazing yes it's one of the longest musical numbers in film history so be watching at the end for i'm a brass band also besides oh. all the other great numbers like hey big spender and yes so yeah that's the last of my trivia right there well i as you said big spender you're um and i don't know what that sound is guys it's raining where we are so that might be georgia is that some georgia rain behind you I don't see any rain here yet. Okay, well, it might be my computer humming for whatever reason. I hope it's not about to explode. But anyway, I have no idea what that sound is. So I apologize, uh, everybody. But yeah, a little trivia, one little piece of trivia from me. Um, uh, What's her name? Uh, um, My girl, Joan Rivers, when her daughter Melissa got married, she hired a gay male choir <laughs> to sing Hey Big Spender because Joan Rivers went all out for her only child's wedding and they were like saying hey big spender to her because she because anybody said it was so lavish and i thought so every time i hear hey big spender i think about that with joan rivers but um hey big spender now i ain't gonna lie y'all i fast forward so that that band scene you talk i fast forward to that i'm not <laughs> i fast forward to a couple of the music scene music scenes um, but I saw the, the, obviously the club scene, um, if my friends could see me now, I'm going to get up, get out and get to it. You know, the, when they heard Paula Kelly and Cheetah, they were up there selling each other pipe dreams. So then I, cause I had heard, I forgot I had heard that piece before and I love that, that song. Um, shout out to the, uh, Cy Coleman and Dorothy. I can't remember Rogers. I think they're the ones who did the music and lyrics. For, and correct me if I'm a uh, wrong audience, uh, but uh, fabulous, fabulous music and lyrics. The, the lyricist, Dorothy Rogers, I mean, that lady was, man, the queen of words. She was a wordsmith who wrote the lyrics for these songs. Cause, and then how the people had to sing them rapidly and everything. I mean, just just top-notch musical. So I, I really wish I had seen Verdon do this, the original. And I bet that was a sight, don't you think? So let's see. Um, well, I just saw so Georgia, you and I, I said, Georgia, this more was like hitting me on a social aspect of it. The social and psychological aspect of dating and the do's and don'ts of dating, the politics 
of dancing <laughs> a song from the 80s. And what did you think about Charity, how she handled herself first with the guy who threw off the bridge into the water and took all our money all the way up to the last guy, Oscar, who dumped her. And, I, you know, and this is, oh, gosh, I probably spoiled it, but, yeah, I have to say it. So just look at it at the end. It did, it, 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 look, it didn't work out, okay? So I should have said spoiler alert. I'm sorry, guys. But still look at it to see why. Well, look, I'm just, we, we can't avoid it. Look, if you don't want to get the spoiler, you know, maybe mute it <laughs> for a minute or turn us off and come back and listen to the podcast because we have to talk about Charity. Georgia, give me your take. What is your take on Charity, how she handled herself? Well, you know, a lot of people would look at her as being, you know, this woman who's dense and she's willing to be treated like a doormat. But, you know, she goes around thinking that she's not good enough, but it's really that she can't find a man good enough for her. And that's what I think it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, women have such a desire to love. They do. And so in a way, I mean, I admired her courage. You know, sometimes she would kind of lie to herself a little bit and say, oh, you know, this is the what happened. But her friends, her friends always knew the truth. That's what I loved about yes, her. Yes, yes. They always could see through it. They knew the truth. They knew that she had been dumped again, and they knew that her heart had been broken. And, you know, but there's so much you can see. Like, she's got this on her shoulder, on her arm. She's got a tattoo of a heart, and it's got Charlie's name on it. That's the guy who took <laughs> Yeah, that initial, that first guy who, who dumped her. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it was, it was kind of gut-wrenching for me, and because I thought that there was so much about her to love, and mm-hmm. I thought she was just so supportive and so loving with all her heart and so fun. And, you know, for a man not to see what he would have in that, I have to tell you, it just, it broke my heart. And that's the way I looked at it. But I see that, but you know, Charity's story is a lot of other women's story. Yes, so yes, go yes. from one relationship to the other to find that person who really makes them feel you know, loved and and then somebody they can pour all their love into. Right. And uh, uh, I this Oscar character, I I I really wanted to murder him at then, but then I started to think no. But then you really aren't good enough for charity. So right. Um, at the end, you know, that you know she she goes on and they say they say she lives hopefully ever after. Okay. And uh, so, I don't, Moya, what did you think about Charity? What did you think about what her? Well, see, George, I love how you said that. Because, see, when, you know, you, you got, I'm busted. You know, when you ask somebody a question, you're really asking, what are you, what are, you want to know what I think about it. <laughs> that's really what you're asking. <laughs> that's, that's really what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. um, so, look, you know, there's this. Uh, and what they call the manosphere, this uh, the modern woman, okay? 
And so the modern woman's been going on for a long time. In the 60s, I think it really, uh, you know, it came to a head with the birth of feminism and radical feminism and what have you, however you want to look at it. Um, and Georgia, you hit the nail on the head. It re- She really embodied women uh who are in love with being in in love with being in love she was a hopeless romantic and that that blinds you and it gets you in a lot of trouble so let's look at the three dudes she interacted with okay the first dude who didn't say a word so he would be the bad boy right so he didn't he had no lines in a movie and all he did was push over the bridge to the water and steal her money you know, that she had worked hard, he had lied to her and, and tell her, huh? And he was married too. And told her, made her think that they were going to get married. So I don't feel sorry for her with that because she knew he was married. Did she not? Oh, yes, she knew. So I'm going to just say this right off the bat. Had she not been the uh, the protagonist or the lead, or we weren't looking at stuff from her point of view, she and I could have never been friends. Cause you're an idiot. I'm sorry, and because you, I, there's nothing wrong with being a romantic, but you have to be realistic, ma'am. And you can't build your happiness on someone else's misery. So this guy was already a lech. He's married. You living in fantasy land. You want Cal gone? Take me away. You want Captain Saver? And those of you who know that song know what I'm talking about, to rescue you. So you asking for it, and you got it. You got a bath, a public bath for the whole world to see. Had they had phones been out then, ever you'd have been all over world star hip hop all over the internet. But I digress. Um, the next dude, so Ricardo Montalban, she falls bass backwards into the arms of the damn film star. And so tell me what you thought about that situation, Georgia. Well, he was so smooth and so suave. She didn't realize, you know, I mean, I I just felt so sorry for her because, but I thought, oh my God, what humiliation having to, well, spoiler alert here. I mean, can you imagine? Hell no. I mean, she spends the night in the closet and right outside the door, there he is. He's like, making love to his girlfriend. It's like, oh my God. And then she's so like about it. Like she's just so oh, pleased with the little mementos that he gives her at the top hat. Oh. And, and she does that dance number. If I could see, if they could see me now, mm-hmm. she's trying not to shout, even though she feels so exuberant and so thrilled to be in this fabulous penthouse of this big movie star she can't believe her good fortune, and it's like, and then she's like, can't release, but, oh, man, she's just, oh, I thought, what utter humiliation then to spend the night in a closet like that, and then the next morning, he's like, oh, I'm sorry about how things turned out, you know, and then she puts his picture up, and keeps it in her, his locker, you know, she's just, uh, like you said, she's just hopelessly romantic, and, uh, she's I an thought, idiot, oh, God. She's awful. She's an idiot. I felt no pity for her. I because the way Shirley MacLaine played her so charmingly. Uh, they said Gwen Verdon's version. She more focused on the eccentricities of Charity. So I would love to have seen those two versions. But you know, no, like I said, she left out a, a piece though. So remember, we said the guy, the first guy, took all her money. 
What did yeah. you think? Oh, let me ask you this. Would you also have refused? Now, she didn't sleep with Ricardo Montalban's character. When he, well, the next day when he, he she, she took the, uh, the, the not so funky walk of shame because she didn't do anything with him. But when he, you know, escorted her out the building, uh, would you also have refused the money that he gave her? Oh, boy, what a question. You know, I kind of thought about that. <laughs> See, when I was watching that, I wanted her to take the money. It's like, I want, I want, I, it's like, take it, take it. <laughs> you know? I wanted her to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as, for me, ah, you know, I wanted her to take it. Uh, I have to admit, I did. Me, I don't know. No, you can. You have to answer definitively. Would you have refused it? Yes or no? That's a yes or no question, ma'am. Uh, I'm going to have to say I would have refused it. No, why would you have refused it? Um, It's like I'm paying you for your time. And, you know, and that's kind of how she took it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I took it. And it's like, no, no. Because it would have, I think it would have further cheapened it a little bit more. And he's saying, no, this isn't, he said, this is for your taxi fare. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think she was trying to salvage some sense of dignity there. Right. I think that's what it was. And I, I think if I had done the thing that she had just done, I think I would have wanted to salvage some dignity and a little bit of independence too. And uh, um, so that's the reason why I would have turned it down. Well, y'all sure sp- uh, pick an expensive time to have pride. Me, I'd have <laughs> said thank you. Yeah, had absolutely no money. She was. Yeah, look, the dude had literally taken her her life savings. You know how yeah. much more, quote unquote, taxi dancing she would have had to do to get that money back up? And Charity had to be in her late 20s, early 30s. She was that's not a young broad. Okay? That's what I was thinking. Girl, how long did it take her after all that taxi dancing to get save that much money? It would have taken her a long, long time. Yeah. I I took that money from Ricardo Montalban. I said, "Now, when you need me to hide in your closet again?" <laughs> I said, Let me get my calendar. Hold on. <laughs> this the easiest because it had to be at least a hundred dollars. You know, it was at least two fifties. And so I said, "Yeah, bro." I said, I, we, you into hiding, women hiding in closets while you, you and your girlfriend? I said, okay. <laughs> just, just kidding, just kidding. I'm just saying, if I'd have been the, the charity character, let me be clear. Not me, not me, Moya. But I'm just saying, in her situation, because she had done much worse for less money. You know what I'm saying? So get out of here with that. So strike two on her with me. Uh, and with the men. And when she got back with her friends, they were basically saying what I'm saying. Like, you spent the night at this man's house. And this all, all you got is uh, props from a Fred Astaire movie, a top hat and a cane and a damn picture. Girl, go sit down somewhere. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she was the equivalent of what they call men simping. So what is a, a female fimping? I don't know, female simping, uh, women's simping. I'm, 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 I, hey, don't, I'm copywriting that, simping. She was a, a female simp. So let's go on to man number three. 
Oscar. So tell me, so tell everybody how she and Oscar met and what did you think about that situation? Well, she just came out of the most humiliating job. <laughs> it was hilarious. That was so funny. Oh I God. cracked up. Uh, and then, um, so she gets on this elevator and there's a man who's going up to like a group therapy session. Oh my And all gosh. of a sudden the elevator stops and they're stuck in this elevator. And all of a sudden, you know, it's obvious that the man starts to panic because he's claustrophobic. And of course she, um, is calm and collected and cool and you know he pa- proceeds to pass out after going through all these flapping his arms around and panicking and everything and so she's gently kneeling there next to him and she's trying to you know comfort him and like help get him through this you know when the elevator until the elevator starts back up again and uh you know she sings a song about you know it's, it's a nice face and all that and she and you know he's a nice looking man and, uh, but, uh, afterwards, you know, as they're about ready to part, he decides at the last minute, Hey, let's, uh, get together. And that's how she meets Oscar mm-hmm. man number three. Yes. Yes. Man number three. And so red flag number one, now I am not against getting yourself some mental health help. That is not the point of what I'm about to say. If you need help, get it. Do us all a favor. Please get yourself some help. But, you know, <laughs> Georgia, it, it depends on what trying to kind of help you getting. Because she's, like you said, she may have gone to a group therapy session. <laughs> and so at some point, I have to know, now, what kind of therapy is this? Oh, okay. Uh, you like to um, take dolls and throw them into rivers or lakes off of bridges. And goodbye, you know. <laughs> Like nah, bro, not not for me. So you know, it, you know, it, it depends how much how much you can handle with a person. So I don't know, but fast forward to like you're saying. So they start dating, and uh, uh, she is not exactly truthful with him about her past. She does not initially tell him where she works. So and eh, wrong with that. So Georgia, that brings me to this question. I I, I wanted to run this by you. Should a woman reveal all of her past at, at some point, not on the first date, you moron, but <laughs> you know, some right. people just bad a first damn date. Oh, okay. Um, you were, you were, you were locked up in solitary confinement for shiving somebody, you know, you know, you know, in your brief stint, your brief stint for tax evasion. I mean, you know, now, nah, you know, I don't want to hear that. Not right now. Not over the lobster, but sh- you know, should a woman reveal all of her past at some point? To you know, what do you think? Uh, as much as I think you think that person can handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said as, the same as, thing. As, as, I, I I would say as much as you think that person can handle. Yeah, it depends on the man, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, because I feel like this, the medical, the background checks and a credit scores shall reveal all. That's how I look at it, (laughs) which because everybody, when you first meet them, sends out their avatar when you first meet them. 
That's why you shouldn't be jumping into bed with people or getting all your finances involved with people. Get to know them. Then you need to meet their people, their circle of friends and family. But people don't do that anymore. You know, they just swipe left and keep it moving, you know, DMing people and doing this and that. Um, so I totally agree with you on that. She should have, uh, you know, depending on the man, I'm sorry, you know, and then vice versa, guys, depends on the woman, you know, if he or she is mature enough to handle whatever you, uh, throwing out there. Um, so the next part, he pops the question after he finds, he, he just so happens to find out what she actually does. He pops the question. Of course she accepts, you know, do the people in hell want ice water? Of course she accepts. Um, then they had, they go to the people's, uh, her friends at the, uh, the Fandango, the taxi dance place. They throw her a going away party, bridal shower, whatever you want to call it. Oscar goes to her with that. <clears throat> Tell me what you thought about that, Georgia. I thought that he was so intensely uncomfortable in the way that the camera angles showed his reactions to things. And there's like a couple of scenes in there where you can tell that there's been some familiarity between her and uh, the guy who runs the place and just some of the things that the women say, the little asides, he becomes, you can tell by the expression on his face, he's becoming increasingly more and more shocked. And he can't handle it. He looks like the party is going on around him, but he is just there and he's not a part of it. He's just kind of looking on it. but And, and you can tell this increasingly more and more like disbelief discomfort that he's having with charity and her lifestyle and her past. You can see it all. Mm -hmm. if you, you know, I, I looked at that and I thought, Oh no, Oh no. You know, I could just see things were going to, they were unraveling inside of his head. Yeah. Um, so that brings me to my next point. Did you think, well, I think you kind of answer it. Uh, did you think that was a, well, let me ask you this. Would you have, brought your new bow around your old, your friends? Like, would you, would you have done that? Like, you know, cause she went back there. She didn't know, like I said, it was a surprise. So she didn't know they were going to do it, but she had to go back there. She said to get some stuff out of her locker. Right. Would you have went back to the Fandango with your boyfriend or anything like that? Well, to be honest, I, she didn't really do anything wrong by doing that. You know, and it was the problem was with him because he couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I don't think she did anything wrong. I mean, in retrospect, I, I'm wondering would this movie, I mean, would her whole life have turned out differently if she had just gone there by herself and not, you know, taken him in front of her friends? Could she have gotten away with it? That is what I wondered after I, I saw that. I thought, could she have really pulled it off? And somehow I think it was still would have festered in the back of his mind. So I can't really say that that was a mistake on her part. You know, even it seems like it was at the time, it sure seemed that way, but I kept thinking, you know, cause this stuff would still come to the surface again, you know? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. Bingo. Girl, I would have avoided the Fandango 
even though he knew she worked in there, I'd have avoided a fandango like um like it was a nuclear t test site, like it was Chernobyl or something like that. No. He just happened to find out there's no way that man would have got within a whiff of the fandango. And let me tell you why. <clears throat> he didn't meet her at the fandango, so he he had no visual of what she did. He had no idea till he got around her friends. And, and let me just say that the, this engagement was quick. You know, these people have been knowing each other for a very short time. Be careful of that. Okay, these quick all-in relationships, don't, don't do it. So, uh, you know, men are visual. And, and women too. If, if, you, if, you, if he presents himself, a guy, as this upstanding three-piece suit, whatever, white collar, whatever your white knight, Prince Charming, then you get around his people and man, they up there throwing back 40 smoking blunts and he, uh, <laughs> and he down with it and snorting coke, meth or whatever. You're like, no, wait a minute, man. You know, birds of a feather. So had he, she, had he not seen her and her friends in action, She'd have been married. It'd have been all good. I think she made a fatal mistake, and I don't blame. I don't blame him. I blame her because, like I said, she, she charity was stupid. Let's just be real. She and you know, guys, if you're in the comments, you disagree, please let me know. Uh, you could disagree with Georgia, whatever y'all feel. Let us know in the comment section, um, wherever you're looking at or listen to us at. Um, so I, I, and I'm going to tell, tell you like this, and I have friends who were formerly in that life, what they call the life. Uh, and I will say the better or the more successful relationship was the one where my friend was so far removed from her past that she could tell this guy, I don't know if she did or not. I didn't ask her because, you know, that's none of my business. Um, has she told, she got a boyfriend, she's dating, she's very happy had if she tells him uh that you know her past see he didn't see it georgia he he you have nothing on girl i'd say you know and i wouldn't have lied lied to nobody but shirley mcclain could say yeah i wouldn't have fandango my sister worked in there so what <laughs> he wouldn't have known any better when he said he saw her picture so she could she just say oh yeah i'm, I'm the i'm the ball i'm the waitress there i waitress there sometimes <laughs> she could have said sometimes i dance <laughs> But you, so in the, in the course of the movie, you will see, like you said, he couldn't handle it because this clown let him sit. Girl, why do you need to go back to Fandango? What you going back to get uh, the Italian superstar, his, his, his cane and top hat dummy, a person who could care less about you, who you turned down his money. So what you going back to the Fandango for? You know, why are you going back to the hood? <laughs> Or why are you going back to whatever the slums? No, ma'am. You got to come up. You should have took it and ran. Because this is me, Georgia. Soon as that dude would have asked me to marry him, wherever in New York they have the equivalent of the drive through wedding like in Las Vegas or if you could go wake up the man like on Andy Griffith and get him out the bed in the middle of the night like we've seen on so many old-time movies. Girl, me and that man would have got married that same night. I'd have said, come on. Let's go upstate New York, downstate Jersey, wherever we can get an overnight uh, wedding. Let's do it. But, you know, Charity was not the smartest. And I keep picking on her. She was a total idiot. 
but she was just so in love. She just couldn't think. And she, she, she was like a little girl, just, you know, mature, but not mature. Very, I, I, I want to say naive, but she was not very mature. Had that, look, had that been Cheetah Rivera or Paula Kelly, girl, look, that movie would have been over in 30 minutes, okay? <laughs> they'd have got that, they'd have got, they wouldn't have fell for, they wouldn't have fell in no lake, let alone fell in no man, fell for no man, pushing him in the lake. Victorio, um, Ricardo Montalban, they'd have took all his money and came back for some more and ran the girlfriend away or let her stay and that's work for her, for them to do. Or they're freaks, so, you know, something else might have happened, but I digress. And then Oscar, they like I said, they got married overnight. As soon as he said, girl, as soon as he said, will you marry? I said, yes! <laughs> he wouldn't even got married. <laughs> he might have said, will you go with me across the street? Yes! <laughs> yes to whatever you say. <laughs> will, you will, you will you mow my lawn? Yes! <laughs> I don't say yes. <laughs> but she was not. She didn't have it in her, you know. So I don't fault him. Last analysis, because I know I'm going on and on. He did her a favor, homegirl, because he was honest with her. He told her he couldn't handle it. And she knew this dude, you know, had emotional problems, okay? He was not the strongest cat. You know, he wasn't no alpha male. So he did her a favor because that relationship wouldn't have lasted, Georgia. It would have been a mother-child relationship, like you said, and I do agree with you on that. It would have been a mother-child relationship and no woman, girl, you can't get excited over that. That's not going to work. And she already had been been uh, a woman of the evening, had, you know, a, a very social woman. Should have been cheating on him, probably with Charlie. Because he, you know, those, those dudes come back like a boomerang, like a bad penny. So get Oscar killed or Oscar kill him. Somebody go to jail or they kill everybody. All three of them kill each other, kill, 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 kill themselves. They'd have been bad. You know, we've seen this story many times. Boy, you should do a rewrite. Like, <laughs> 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 that's so but, funny. But you're right. I agree with you. Uh, you know, he was doing her a favor because, you know, that initially, you know, that first uh, infatuation with each other, and then when cold hard realities you know, sets in, you know, she was a worldly person, but she was still very naive. Yeah. yeah it's kind of hard to, but she was that way. You, you said she was like a little girl, but she wasn't, but that's very true about her character. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, that wouldn't have, I, I just can't see it lasting, you know? No. I mean, even though she was, would have given everything to make it work. Yeah. The problem with Ben was him. Yeah. Yeah. She, because even though she, 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 the girl and the woman in her, the guy would have to been daddy and my husband and Oscar, he was needy. So there's no way that, you know, two worlds collide. It, it would have been so toxic and important. And for those of you who are in these toxic, these type of ladies, these child and uh mother child or father child relationships, you know, it's hell on earth. Get out of there. Try to negotiate your way. If you got kids, man, try to negotiate your way out of that. Or if you're going to stay in it, try to get some help, try to be civil, get your mind right, get you some therapy, because that's not how two adults are supposed to interact in a marriage. They're, they're a parent-child relationship, that's, that's disgusting. You know, that, that's crazy. I couldn't agree with you more. So I'm sorry. Because, Go ahead. But you know what I honestly think? 
I think that men are more attracted to a person who can be a partner along with them. Oh, yeah. Somebody who's on the same footing because, it, you know, you can't have a relationship like that. It's not healthy, and one person can't do all the giving and one person do all the taking, and uh, it's, just, it's, it's not healthy. You know, you have a parent and child, but, you know, a man and a wife, I mean, a man and a woman and a husband and a wife, that's how it should be. Amen. So, yeah, you're right, Moya. Yeah, that is, so if you are in a toxic relationship, you know it's not good for you, you won't see it right now, but ahead of you can lie peace and so much more happiness. It, it just takes courage to do it. Yes, yes. Um, I totally agree with you. So, I, So we're sorry, guys. We probably rained on your sweet charity parade. It still is a wonderful movie. Great fashion. That daisy dress she had on when she went to get married. I want to rip it off her back. It was so horrible. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> it was so mild. It was fan-freaking-tastic. But, we, yeah, I, we, we started to go so deep with sweet charity. But we could not ignore. And, and shout out to Neil Simon. You know, Neil Simon does that to you. And uh, with his stories and then the screenplay person, I cannot remember his name. I apologize. He took that Neil Simon joint and rolled it up and smoked it out to what we have. And you're like, wow, wow. You know, this is, it was deep. It, he, they took you. So it's not just a musical. It is a life lesson. It is a life lesson from classic Hollywood. And so for, on that note, Georgia, I'm going to let you have the hat, have the last word, ma'am. Moya, I can't improve on perfection. So I'm just going <laughs> to let it rock the way it is. Yeah, the movie had life lessons galore in it. Yes. It did. Yes. And it was fun and funky, kind of a 60s way. Yes. 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 So yeah, this is, you're right. This is a sweet treat, just like Moya said. So I'm going to help you take this on out. Well, guys. We are out of here. Thank you so much for listening to How Betty Davis Saved My Life. Yeah, this is a little long one. We haven't done a long one in a while, but we want to do it justice. So you guys, we will see you next time. Have a great, great rest of your uh, week. And we will see you next time for How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. Bye-bye, guys. See you next time. Bye-bye.